Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Eddie the Eagle, directed by Dexter Fletcher and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A British skier tries to become his country's only ski jumper at the 1988 Winter Olympics. Katie, this was the greatest movie. <laughs> I loved this. It was so wonderful. And it I, was. I, I, it was so life-affirming and I came out so happy. If I were a crying type, I probably would have cried. I don't know if I would have cried. I mean, uh, well, it's a very odd and specific thing that makes me cry in movies, so this wasn't going to be it. But definitely, it's adorable. Gosh, oh. it's adorable. And I mean, it's not hurt by the fact that uh, Taron Egerton just has this face like – you know, if we were watching a movie that was a documentary about the real Eddie the Eagle, I'm sure that we would just be like still going for it, rooting for him and everything. But I don't think it would have been quite as effective as it was with Taron Egerton's mm. face in there because he, he is so expressive and cute and like, e like it just elicits so much awe. Like not awe, but everybody oh, going oh in the all audience the time. all the time. It's yep. just he's a adorable mm. oh god he, isn't he good that kid like we talked about it when we watched kingsman which we hated he was we were just like oh he's so talented he's so wonderful he's so good and he's got so much charisma i i imagine the real eddie the eagle probably had a fair whack of charisma himself given um given the way that happened although the olympics are one of those places where people love that kind of underdog story like the yeah yeah and this is the narrative i mean this this movie is Mighty Ducks, it's Cool Runnings, mm -hmm. which, which gets referenced. Apparently, cool, the Cool Runnings team were at the same Olympics, so the 1988 Calgary Olympics must have been amazing. Um, but it, they also they go they give a little shout out to it, um, which I, I don't think I don't know if anybody else in the nobody else in the audience at least laughed at it. Not no, but Cool Runnings is very much a movie that people our age would have watched, mm. um, and uh, well, quite a few hoping... members of the audience were either quite a bit older than us or quite a bit younger than us, so. I'm, I'm hoping that this will be like a uh, cool runnings for the next I, generation. Wasn't it wonderful? There were kids behind us and they were so excited. Yeah, they were really into and really it. into what Eddie was doing. I, I, th I feel like we've seen kids movies recently that have been less geared towards kids than this movie was. Oh, isn't it wonderful? It's such a classic sports movie, underdog sports movie. Yeah. But I mean, the, it's, it's really well handled and I'm going to, uh, um, name check Dexter Fletcher here because we when Melissa was like oh uh, I knew I'd recognize the name Dexter Fletcher and I was like yeah and Melissa was like he directed it I was so shocked mm. I had no idea yeah. that he Spike was directing from Press now. Gang has yes, grown up to Spike become a director um I think he still acts too but he's he, also yeah directing. he was in uh Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels like we said and Kick-Ass which this has quite a few people like Matthew, Matthew Vaughn, Vaughn is the producer and I think there were some other people involved in it that I recognized from other Matthew Vaughan projects, um, mm. but fortunately wasn't the director, and so a lot of the uh, politics of that, and also none of Mark Miller's politics, which are the big problem with the Mark Miller Matthew Vaughan movies, like Kingsman. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was really um, nicely put together. Like everything, there are a lot of cliches in it, but they're all put in at the right places, and mm -hmm. you get all the right hit all the right beats, and it's also a really pretty movie. Mm -hmm. Like I, I uh, one of the things that I appreciated while I was watching is the use of light in this movie. Yeah, there's so few movies now where you can see everything and it's all really well lit and bright and colorful mm. and like that's I really appreciated that in this movie mm. that it like it really appreciated the beauty of the places that that they were skiing yeah. and and um the colors and the the just the lighting even in that scene in the hospital bed mm -hmm. when he was in the hospital bed is yeah. really lovely lighting. Um, I just really appreciated that. Yeah, we were just talking about the on the way to the movies that 
uh, sometimes a lot of movies you can't see properly, and I think they took advantage of the snow. Obviously, that white reflecting off everything is um works to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I, that was really nice. Um, it's just every single time I looked at those snow snow scenes, and Hugh Jackman was wandering around in like a t shirt oh. or whatever, <laughs> just like you idiot. I yeah, a little bit, but also uh, it made me just that's such a thing that like. Australian men would do. Mm-hmm. I, I know he's playing American, but that is so the kind of thing that Australian yeah, men he's do. He's playing American. Oh, it's his... minus five. Oh, no, oh, no, I can get out in shorts. In I think t-shirt. his accent is worse than this than it is in Wolverine. Well, because he's with all, all these other English people. Yeah, I think that was it. I, I, we were talking about that before too, and I think having people around who are um, mm. American or, or speaking with American accents helps. Yeah, um, yeah. And he didn't have that here. No. There were lines he said. There was one line especially when they were – they were at the bar and uh, he says, yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're crazy, man, or something like that. And I'm like, there's not, there was not a single American vowel in that <laughs> whole sentence. He just yeah, dropped yeah. it completely. Um, but That doesn't mean he wasn't awesome and oh, adorable. No. And That's what I was about to say. <laughs> but, and also the uh, chemistry between Hugh Jackman <gasps> and Taron Egerton is fantastic. Oh, Yes, oh, and I think we knew that from the press tour. That is that is the reason why I was so excited to watch this movie. Like, because I didn't care about this movie at all, and then the press tour started, and we had Ryan Reynolds um, crashing. The press tour was the first I heard of it, but then the the press tour started in earnest, and Taron Egerton and Hugh Jackman are just charming up the place, adorable, like, adorable, and they're just so cute. They're so they're having so much fun together. Mm. Yeah, and. The movie winks at it too. Like the both the trailer and the movie introduce Hugh Jackman, but first, I love that. Though. I That's know so great. it's wonderful. Um, and the, the movie doesn't hesitate to like it. It it's it's an interesting movie because it sort of uh, pokes fun a bit at toxic masculinity. I think. Mm. Um, I and think, yeah, sees it as a negative. I think what the movie is doing is trying to get you to embrace Eddie's philosophy and mm. Eddie's beliefs. And Eddie's philosophy and beliefs are very uh, fair and friendly and everybody gets a shot and they're very Australian beliefs well, well, as well, more by the way. Than it's, it's, it takes on tos- toxic masculinity, but I think its harshest criticism is actually of the class system and the way that works mm. in conjunction with the tos- toxic masculinity, the hazing rituals of the other team members and the the um, the class thing is really interesting, interestingly played out by the British Olympic Committee where – the guy who's doing all the work and who has to deliver all the bad news has got a really strong northern accent, but the man who's in charge and making all the decisions has a really posh upper class, you know, which school did you go to kind of accent. Mm. And um, and obviously Eddie's working class. His dad's a plasterer. He's a plaster. He's actually a plasterer now too. But he, he's, you know, properly working class. And I think, and that's why people really took to him as well. It's, it's, it is, it's the Jamaican bobsled team. It's the Stephen Bradbury, um, who's an Australian athlete, for, Australian Winter Olympic athlete. Yeah, we were saying at the end that we're going to make that movie oh, the, next. The Stephen Bradbury movie is coming. He, in 2002, he won Australia's first Winter Olympics gold medal. And he won it in speed skating. Uh, because he was he and he made it all the way to the finals, so like it's not like he's a you know he's he's not like he's a bad athlete or anything. But he was coming last in this final, and the three skaters in front of him all fell over, and he kind of sailed over the line to get a gold medal. And that was how Australia won its first Olympic gold medal. And the man it's still became funny. like a national hero, a bit like Eddie the Eagle. Everyone loves that kind of you know come from nowhere story. And I I specifically remember there was one Olympics uh, that I saw. That there was a, a 
I think a swimmer from an African country. That was Sydney, two thousand. Yeah, yeah. And and he was coming last, and it was the big, the twelve hundred meter order, fifteen hind meter swimming race. And uh, he was coming last, and and. Didn't look like he would finish, and everybody kind everybody of cheered for him Everybody was out. To of, all, all the people was out. were out of the pool, and he was still swimming his laps. And the whole crowd like got onto its feet. And the Olympics—that's what you go to the Olympics for, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's exactly what mm. it captures in this movie: that Eddie the Eagle was never going to win, and he doesn't win, and he, he comes last all the time. But he he you know he's so excited when he beats the mm. British record. Yeah, um, he's so excited when he beats his own personal yeah. record. He gets so excited about like being able to do it that that's kind of that is the spirit of the Olympics. But it's mm. also about like friendship and camaraderie and supporting each other and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and you know that the I like that the relationship between Eddie and uh, and Bronson Peary, the Hugh Jackman character, is so um, like equal by the end of it. Like mm-hmm. it starts out very unequal, but by the end of it, basically. Eddie's taking care of Bronson as much yeah. as he is as, as the other way around. So it's really, really nice. And that's the same as the the Mighty Ducks effect. Yeah. Um, but it, it it works really well with these two actors because you can tell they like each other. Mm. Like they have that really good kind of bond and chemistry and, and this fondness for each other that works really well. And they both have an excellent instinct for comedy as well. Yeah. So they've got some lovely um, a lovely training montage um, with – Firstly, Hugh Jackman's fake orgasm, amazing. Um, <laughs> but have what he's having. Yeah, uh, but then like there's they as part of their training, Hugh Jackman lifts Taron Egerton in the the Dirty Dancing lift. Yes, which my God, he must be so strong and also like have amazing balance and stuff. But he does that those kind of lifts, and they do they have these wonderful training montages where they neither of them is afraid to go for the physical comedy and make fools of themselves. Just they do it so well. Uh, the lifts are great, though. Oh, I know, um, and, and just adorable. Um, and and also led to one of the best moments in the press tour when they uh, pretend to recreate that lift, and Taron Edgerton sings, um, "I've had the time of your life," ah! and melts hearts everywhere. Because my God, Taron Edgerton can sing. These two need to make a musical together. Yes, yeah. Like, let's why make Eddie the Eagle a, a musical, well, especially with the soundtrack of this movie. Oh, it's so good. I loved it. <laughs> I am a big 80s music nerd and I loved, loved this mm. soundtrack. It was just all 80s all the time. And they did the final jump to the song Jump by Van, Van Halen. Halen. Mm. Um, and oh, I loved it. And there's, there's You Make My Dreams Come True um, by Hall and & Oates. And uh, there's, oh, When Two Tribes Go to War at the beginning yeah, of yeah. it, which killed me. I loved that. Um, they're all really obvious choices, but they're so much fun. I don't care. Mm, yep, and but this and the score plays into that as well with the like synth music and the eighties feel to it all. Yeah, it did and a really good the job of, of fonts and stuff. It did a really good job of making it feel like the eighties without going too far with the mm. fashions and stuff. Yeah, um, there was only one like side ponytail thing going on. Yeah, but still, like you could tell when um when Eddie's parents went from being in the 70s to being in the 80s, the different outfits, and there's like a Charles and Diana salt and pepper shaker set on their table. Yeah, the mum was great. And oh, the dad is a um, – Keith Allen, yeah. Yeah. Alfie Allen's gonna, dad. I was going to say Lily Allen's dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, yeah, that Keith Allen who played um who played the best ever sheriff of Nottingham in the Jonas Armstrong BBC Robin Hood. That was the one with Ramitage, right? Yes. Yeah, no, he, he was – um. You know, typically British. He had to, yeah, he had to be kind of the bad guy. I, there was an interview with um, Michael Edwards, as he's now known, Eddie, in um, in the Guardian uh, six weeks ago or something that I read, and um, he talks about how in the movie, like he he for narrative economy, they sort of made his dad the bad guy and his mum the good guy, but in reality, his dad was much more supportive, and the, his both of his parents had issues and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that, I don't think he was particularly bothered by this, or and neither was his dad, who's also seen the movie, but. 
um, yeah, Keith Allen had a bit of a like he had to do that that stereotypical dad who's you know oh, yeah whatever. Kind it, of. Yeah, there, there were certainly. I mean, this is a very tropey movie, and you can tell that a lot of these people were not as they were portrayed um, because it, they had mm. to. Yeah, they 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 did simplify a lot of it. Yeah, um, and and I think part of that is also that thing that this is a movie for kids. I think uh, I think or like it's all age. It's a family. It's movie. a family movie, but I didn't even check the rating. But it must be PG. I think, it, yeah, it's a family movie, but it's with the orgasm scene in it. But yeah, then but again, it's, we all, all it's all, um, but that's all done in like um, innuendo. Oh, who's yes. your favorite movie star? And what's the next bit that happens? Yeah. You fall asleep. <laughs> she falls asleep. <laughs> that was great. Um, but then there's also, that comes back though, when he does the jump and they do all the O faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, and they do like even the, the, um, the Finnish team or the Swedish team or whatever it is, the German team, whatever the jerks in the pink were. Oh, um, I think they're Norwegian. They, they do it as well. Like they, they mm. really kind of, he, he really hammers that one home. Um, <laughs> and it's really mm. funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, but also everybody watched when Harry met Sally when they were a kid, right? That yeah. wasn't just me. No, no. And that was, I think, a PG rating as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not. Offensive to kids, certainly. And I think it works, it would work well for like around 10, like mm. that kind the, of, yeah, the, the middle the group. Cool that, runnings and the, um, uh, the age, the age we were when cool runnings and, um, 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 what's the ice hockey one again? Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks came out, but the age we were when we watched those movies. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I love Mighty Ducks. I'm, I'm a huge Mighty Ducks fan. Cool runnings, I didn't enjoy quite as much. Um, no, I mean, and that's got some, I suspect if we went back to it, there'd be some problematic racial tropes yeah, going on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, kind of like what we what we thought when we were watching the Man Who Knew Infinity trailer. Yeah, with the simplicity of the the um and there's white savior stuff people. going on yeah. in it. And yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's some problematic elements to that. Mighty Ducks, I think, had some sexism problems in it as well. But yeah, yeah, I loved Mighty Ducks anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mighty Ducks, I think, is still like my favorite sports movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, like by a long way it's probably my favorite sports movie like if you ever asked me to say a sports movie mighty ducks would be the first thing i would think mm. of um and this one definitely followed all of the same narrative tropes and that that moment when the coach stops believing and all that yeah. sort of jazz and they have to come back and the you know the kids lure them back in by repeating something they said and believing in them and all that yeah, yeah. um very cute though it, it works i think the reason this works is because largely because of the charm yeah like, of our two leads yeah not just of our two leads but the charm of the whole, the, the, the charm of the aesthetic and the way it's put together and the music and, and the it's supporting almost, characters. It's almost like the little movie that could. Like yeah. the movie has really come from almost nowhere and it's put itself together with a fairly, like it's not a, I don't think it's a huge budget. There's not a huge lot of effects. There's a lot of, like it, it's the scrappy little movie that's, you know, chugging its way along. And it's a total throwback movie as well. Mm. Like it could have been oh. made in the 80s when yep. it was set. Um, it's definitely a throwback to a simpler movie time, mm. and it uses those kind of simpler storytelling tropes to really kind of hit it home. Mm-hmm. And it works. It works great, and it's lovely. And I liked. There weren't a lot of female characters in this. No, it could have been more. <laughs> but as we were discussing before, women weren't allowed to ski jump at the Olympics until two thousand and fourteen. So yeah. you know, um, which surprised me because yeah. that seems bonkers. To and me. they had to sue the Olympic Federation to actually get in. So weird, um, but uh, they, they, there were other women on the British. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, team. skiing or whatever. Of yes. Course. Yeah. Um, but they kind of made the rest of the ski British skiing team be personified by this one guy who was mm. a jerk to Eddie. Yeah. Um, so you, know, Again, you kind of see why they do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's they didn't 
it's narrative economy and it's tropiness. He was upper class and he knew everybody and he was, you know, old money, old school, all that kind of thing. And, and he just, it was easy to personify it in one person rather than be getting any more complicated than that. And there are no non-white people in this movie. Like, mm. none. But I, skiing and winter Olympic sports are extremely white because yes. you have to be wealthy to ski. I just feel like it's worth pointing out yeah. that, that all those things are true, but this is still a very white male movie. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and it was actually interesting because Eddie learns to ski on like a fake slope in somewhere in Bristol. Mm. And um, and that that's interesting too because we, uh, again, uh, we're Australian, so... I've I saw snow for the first time when I was 27. Like I've never skied in my life. But and you've skied like a little little bit. But in Australia, you no. I mean, I wouldn't say I. I we went skiing most winters when right. I was a kid. Okay, so you've skied a lot. But in Australia, you really don't like most people don't ski. Most people don't do winter sports. Yeah, it's we not, were also in Japan yeah. and Korea for a lot of right. that. So when we were in Japan and yeah. Korea, we did it as well. But it, it's skiing's very class based here, yeah. and I think in England it is too because they don't have the snow as well. Whereas I think, you know, if you're Norwegian or German, everybody skis and, and you're Canadian. Everybody learns to ski, everybody learns to ice skate. But um, somewhere like England, it's very class-based and I think… Mm. I think there might have been some ableism going on in this movie as well. Um, oh, because he was – he had like his – he had uh, braces on his legs when he yes. was a kid. Yeah. And I would not – I was wondering a lot whether he – the real Eddie the Eagle had some like other kind of uh, things going on um, – like developmental things going on when I was looking, okay. watching the movie. I can't tell, but he probably also missed some school when he was younger with being in hospital for a year. Yeah. So uh, I think there might have been – I just feel like he didn't get as much opportunity to get an, ed- ed- an education as a lot of the other kids did, um, which could have been based on his childhood and mm. other things. But And, and he was told not to uh, try and do sports because of his – braces and stuff when he was Well, again, I think the this interview, in he seems to feel differently about that. He seems to feel like he was actually quite good at sport as a kid. Okay. And he was, they, I think he says something along the lines that they exaggerated that for the movie. Okay. So, I I can see where you would come at that because, especially given, you know, the way he presents himself and some of the, some of the things like where he is 22, but he really has no idea about um, relationships or sex or anything like that. Yeah, but not just that sort of thing. Like, uh, that, it just seemed to me like there were a lot of issues around that. Yeah, no, I, um, I can, no, I can actually see where you're coming and from. And also, uh, yeah, but if it's not the case, then it's not the case. It just seemed that, uh, yeah, that way. I'm not sure that people were telling him he couldn't do it because of uh, external things that were holding him back. Yeah, it's possible. Um, so I, I don't know if that was part of the movie or not. Maybe it was just me projecting. Um, <laughs> the kids who played the young Eddie were really good too. They were brothers, mm. I think, based on the fact yep. that they were la- they had the same last name. Yep. Um, both of them kind of looked like Taron Edgerton and they both really kind of sold it. I was really yeah. impressed. Uh, yeah. Right at the start, I was like, no, they, oh, this is good. I, was, I saw one of them. I was like, is that Taron Edgerton's brother or yeah. something? Yeah. And and the thing is, like, I, I was disproportionately excited about seeing this movie based mm. on how adorable everything has been. Yeah. But it still impressed me. I was still more impressed than I thought I was well, going to be. I still liked it more. I, If you hadn't taken me to it, I probably wouldn't have seen it. I mean, I'd seen a couple of bits online and I was like, oh, yeah, they're super cute. But I'm, I'm not great with heights and things like that. So I probably would have been like, eh. But I think this I movie is perfect. loved it. For people who aren't yes. great with heights. Because all the heights bits are really scary. Yes. <laughs> it was fantastic. 
Like he's he's mm. scared too, so you're kind of in it with him, you know. Yeah. It really works well in the movie's favour if you're scared of Oh, Mike, totally. Probably. Yeah, no, it, it works quite well. And it wasn't particularly scary to watch. It all you all built you yeah, you built with him. Like the emotions mm. built with him. Yeah. So it worked quite well. Yeah, and I liked his um his there's something else about Eddie that I really like, which is that everybody's always putting him down and always being mean to him, and he's just consistently positive, like mm. consistently kind of yeah. friendly and nice to people and positive and believes in himself more than other people believe in him and stuff like that. That mm. I thought, and and again, the actor helps, but it really kind of it works really nicely in this movie, mm-hmm. and and some of them turn around on him and some of them don't, which I also yeah. thought was kind of good. Yeah. I mean, even though it was really oversimplified and I was like, well, surely somebody else must like this guy. I mean, he's so likable. Mm. Also, having Taron Egerton in the role and then they're like, I bet you the whole, you know, you never get girls kind of thing. And I'm like, really? Yeah, but with that mustache. Yeah, but he didn't (laughs) get the mustache till he was at Canada. Well, that's true. But uh, and like, I think he he put on weight and they did stuff to his face and stuff as well. I mean. I like I wouldn't kick him out of bed at that weight, but you know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is like you take the glasses off, you do a you know a yeah. movie girl <laughs> transformation on him, and yeah, he's yeah. still Taron Egerton in there. It's, yeah, it, he's you're not gonna kick him out of bed. He's still super. No, curious. no, but I can also like the glasses and the the. I think the real one had teeth as well. Got, yeah, but that's the thing is that that that's what I mean is that this one is not the real one. No, this is what I'm referring to is that. Yeah. Putting Taron Egerton, one. like Taron Egerton is a great actor and everything, but he's still really cute. Mm. So, and, and the real Eddie the Eagle is not really cute. Yeah. He's adorable, but not like really attractive. I don't know. I think he was selling it. I think he was really selling. Yes. He was working hard to dorkiness. sell it, but every so often he would put the jaw back in and, and yeah. he would do something. And I'm like, really no girls ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's movie. It's movie ugly. I get yeah. it. I understand that, but. He's just, he's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just mind reminding me of the weird first meeting with the landlady where she's like, would you mind me coming? Like she full on yeah, that sexually harasses because... him and then it then it goes away and never happens again. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly what it, Actually, do you know what it feels like to me? I felt like that scene was from an like very early on in filming because there's, he also has a different look going on. Yep. yep. Um, his hair is different. Um, his facial hair is different. And I felt like that was from really early on and then they decided to change the angle of what they were doing later mm-hmm. and they left the scene and I thought that when I was watching the scene yeah I was like he's not doing the mannerisms this is a really strange scene even his glasses looked different mm-hmm. the whole thing looked totally different mm-hmm. and I was like that was that was what I came up yeah, with yeah, was we- that maybe it was from an earlier draft mm-hmm. and they went no we're going to change all of that because well, I was like oh shit where are they going this and mm-hmm. then they nowhere don't, was don't go anywhere with it it's fine she <laughs> She respects the boundary, and okay, yeah, and and then they she happily he happily works for her, and yes, and then she never like it's never mentioned again. It never comes up again. So yeah, Uh, that that felt to me like it was from an earlier draft. Yeah, you're probably right. It felt out of place, Mm -hmm. especially for the mood that the movie was going for, and like the movie was generally pretty respectful of women. So I thought that was a weird Mm -hmm. moment. Um, yeah. So there are three female characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. I forgot because there's also a press. The woman, press woman who's who looks like much, Juliet Landau. Yeah, she's pretty much the only one on his Juliet side. Juliet is not because she. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Juliet Landau. Yeah, who's like the only one in the Olympic establishment who's on his side because she can see the press value of it. And think, like she's got a tough gig. The British Winter Olympic team, like nobody's nobody's really watching that. Yes, you know. But I also think 
that they were making a point with all the women supporting him and all the men not supporting him, uh, yeah. which is the toxic masculinity that I was talking to before and the competitiveness yep. between them and stuff. Um, I think there were there was, and all the women in this were older as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. yeah because there was an in- well actually there's an interesting scene the very end he's going up the lift to the 90 meter jump with the you know the best ski jumper in the world. I liked that. Who scene. is yeah? Who he's quite feminine in appearance, very like because. Because I guess if you weigh less, you go further, which is why when women were admitted to the Winter Olympics, they set longer times than the men uh, because they're smaller. Mm. But he's he was small and lithe and feminine looking. And they had this interesting scene where they talk about doing their best and how mm. – and it turns out that his competitor really respects him, because not because he is the best, but because he does his best. What I thought was really interesting about that character that I'd like to apply to some other movies is I never forgot who that was, but he only has two scenes. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the time I go to these movies and I get lost and I'm like, I don't remember who this person is. Why are they coming back? Yeah. You never introduced this person to me properly. Like that sort of stuff. It, mm. I think this movie, uh, we were talking about this with Jungle Book last week as well, but um, I, I, I don't want to, I don't think you can overstate the importance of setting things up properly yeah. if you're going to come back to them later. Mm-hmm. And I watched a movie called Balabo last night. Um and it did not do that. It it completely failed in that regard. And a lot of the time I would see people in game and go, I don't remember who this is. Yeah. I don't remember why I'm supposed to care yeah. about them. And 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 there is no link between because at the start, uh Eddie asks him for an autograph. Eddie goes up to him and he's acts like you might if you met Oscar Isaac. <laughs> and he's all like, Oh my god, you're Matty. Kind of. And um <laughs> uh and and He's asked for an autograph and Maddie won't give him one because yeah. all he's got to sign is his bus ticket. And uh, the link between that and the guy at the end who we see an hour and a half later in the lift saying, you know what, you've always tried your best. Well, it's interesting because also the the commentator, um, Jim Broadbent, oh, yeah. uh, talks about how Matty's not very personable. Um, he's the flying fin, they call mm. him, and he's not personable and he's not likable and he's not, like, friendly. Yeah. Um, basically, He is basically the polar opposite of Eddie the Eagle but then he talks about how they're actually really similar Mm -hmm. because both of them are just trying to do their best yeah but his best is the best in Matty's best is the best in the world Uh and Eddie's best is getting to the Olympics at all yes exactly but he's saying that they're more similar than anybody else because they don't really care about winning they don't care about their times and Mm. and that sort of thing in that way they just love the sport and doing the best they can at it Yes, they're both in it to so that they can do their best and and be the best that they can be and mm. and uh, take pride in that, um, and that doesn't have anything to do with how friendly you are or yeah. any of that other stuff. And I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting, also with the character, a little bit overplayed, right? It was a little bit overplayed, but also interesting with the character, the male character who is feminized so much that his traits are unlikable and mm. haughty, and you know too good for all the rest of them i think it doesn't hurt that it's a real person but yeah, yeah. there is a there's a kind of uh, there is a they don't really shy away from from feminizing people and, and no i think a lot of the more kind of masculine traits are, are not seen as quite as good in no movie. well um hugh jackman's character's drinking for example yes. and brawling and all that sort of stuff and i the, do the, feel it, like this is a movie that australians would like oh big time yeah. I, I think i suspect um we were only little in 1988 so we don't remember but I suspect Eddie the Eagle took off here as as he did everywhere else. Yeah. Um. You were going to say something about Hugh Jackman. Oh, Hugh you. Jackman's. Uh. Well, he's you know, g- drinking and womanizing and um and he's the whole 
his jacket, like his drink so much that he doesn't need a jacket in the cold. He has to overcome that toxic masculinity aspect of his character. Like yeah. he can't continue to be that guy. But you also see the Norwegians um, like in the saunas, completely naked, like um, that that sort of masculine show of aggression through, you know, nakedness and, and their hot bodies. Mm-hmm. Their, their muscles and all that sort of stuff. That was a very funny scene. Oh, it was adorable, yes. <laughs> that worked really well. Mm. Um, although the the, un- the discomfort with nudity was, I don't know, not as... It was as- delightfully British. Yeah, it was very British. I'm I'm being a little bit too effusive, I think. But Taron yep. Edgerton, he sells that scene yep. so well. He He's so good in this. Like, this is a kid who you can really see being huge because he, mm. he just does... He can do so many things and mm. he, he's so expressive and so likable and so so watchable that even so when charming. he's doing silly voices and silly faces and all that sort of stuff that you just can't stop watching. Well him. that's part of the charm though, is that he isn't afraid to make himself look like a dork. Yeah, that is part of the charm. But I also think it's he is um really kind of he has the it quality. Mm, the, yeah, no, he does. He has that thing where you're like there are pers- there Magic. are people who are Good looking and and all that sort of stuff, and you just forget about five minutes later. Mm. But he he's just so kind of adorable and watchable and, and great. Yeah, but yeah, no, he's definitely he's like that that sort of Harrison Ford kind of charm and call that that so, those sort of qualities of just. It's hilarious because he was in the running to do the young Har- the young Han Solo movie, which apparently Alden Ehrenreich is the lead mm. uh, contender for that now, which yeah. you can see as well because he oh was, he's very charming too, but. Yeah, Taron Edgerton is going to be huge, so that's okay. I don't, I, he, I don't feel like either of them have the Harrison Ford particular charm, though. And well, I it's feel a like... different kind of thing because Taron Edgerton is actually a talented actor. <laughs> Harrison Ford just kind of rocks up and says his lines. But, but Taron Edgerton is, is good. I don't know if he's classically trained or not, but it seems like he is. He's very good. Uh, he's not a disappearing actor. But he also – he's just but got – he no. can do more stuff. Like this is a very different role from um, yeah. Eggsy. Yeah, it is. I, I'm interested in like him as well because he's like the internet's new boyfriend and you know everyone's favorite British actor. And I'm interested in him also because that whole thing where all the British actors that have been big in the last few years have you know been like private schoolboys and stuff like that. And he seems like he's, well, he's Welsh. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he seems like he's a bit more working class and a bit more like a normal person. He's from he's from Yanfer. The, the oh, that's right, the longest or. village yeah. name in the world. That's right. That's where that's he's true. from. Um, that's where he grew up. Uh, yeah. Th- so, um, Cecilia Gorgogoff, something like that. I've listened to him say it. We'll look it up. We'll, um, I'll, I'll find the YouTube of it. Yeah, it's, we'll it's, put it. That's also on really the show adorable. Mm. Well, he went to Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Okay, so he's trained. Yep. Yes. Born in Northern England, but raised Welsh. Moved over to Wales when he was a baby. Um, his name is misspelt. <laughs> apparently, um. I'm supposed to be Welsh for Thunder. I'm trying to find where he went to school. Yeah, I'm, it's pro- you're probably not going to find it. It's okay. Okay. Uh, but he was which, is, which probably trained. means He was that, accepted to... Which probably means that he went to an ordinary school and yes. is more in the class of John Boyega than the class of the Tom Hiddlestons of the world. Yes, which but John Boyega say, does not like it when you say suggest that he was... Um, Raised in this on the streets. Or I whatever. didn't say he was raised. No, on the no, streets. no. I, know, I said I'm... he. John Boyega. But no, it's actually very similar because John Boyega is also highly trained and went to yes. like acting school. But you know, is middle class or working class? Yes, but, which uh, is where I was going. I didn't. I, the middle class does not equal the streets. I am aware <laughs> of that. Okay. I was making a comment because I remember that interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Eddie the Eagle. I think Taron Egerton seems to be in a lot of movies that have that. As yeah, a that's theme, but yeah. Which is the, the thing interesting about to me. The Kingsman. The thing about Kingsman that's uh, that 
was one of the things we didn't like about it is that it basically comes down completely on the wrong side of that issue. Yeah, well, it sort of acts as though you can bootstrap your way to being upper class. Well, it's not just that. It's that you have to imitate the upper class in order in order to be respected mm, um, was yeah. what I got out of Kingsman. And this is mm. something that I've had a lot of arguments with people about since it because when we did the podcast, we had no idea that it was going to blow up the way it did. Yeah. Um, we saw it it's in our this second preview. most downloaded episode. And when I saw it, it was I found it so disappointing. But part of it was this idea that Eggsy was not okay the way that he was and had to uh, had to imitate all the trappings of mm. the upper class, put on the suit, yep. put on the accent, do the whole nine yards in order to be acceptable. Yep. Um, and that's basically the complete opposite of where Eddie the Eagle yeah, is. Which is. Although it's interesting to note that the real Eddie the Eagle... see what I did there? Yeah, I did. I also <laughs> used the same pun earlier. Um, it is interesting to note, though, that it, the real Eddie the Eagle had the one of the problems that often happens when someone from the working classes suddenly gets a whole lot of fame and money and attention in that he ended up going bankrupt. Mm. So he, he, and still now, like he made, he's made money out of the book and the movie, mm-hmm. but, and, but he still has his plastering certificate. He still goes back and does plastering jobs um, because he, he, he got the, all that money. He was, didn't have any kind of social support or support in place to mm-hmm. help him when he had all the money. And so he ended up going bankrupt. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's a I mean, cautionary that's the more tale. But caution, the compl- the that's the more complicated real life story, right? Um, but, but the other thing about yeah. that is that a lot of those things aren't to do with class anyway. No, um, a lot of upper class people go bankrupt well, as well. Yeah, when... but a lot of people who win lottery and stuff will go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. A lot of working class people who get a whole heap of money will end up no, no better than they. The were story that always upsets me is that uh, Nikki Blonsky went back to selling shoes. Um, I know. And the thing about her is that it's not that she mishandled her money or anything. It's that people didn't hire her because she's fat in spite of the fact that she's adorable and talented. And that is one of my least favorite Hollywood stories because I love Hairspray and she is so good in Hairspray. And she's like really charismatic and fun and good to watch. Um, And and she can sing like crazy and they don't hire her because she's fat. And it's just, yeah, it's so upsetting. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Eddie's story is kind of like that too. <laughs> kind of, yeah, real it, life. It, yeah. I mean, the, the movie, of course, ends on the the note of him flying home. He's going to train for more. He's you know, it's it ends on a high. I think people also still think of him fondly, and he wouldn't yeah. be able to sell the movie in the book without the legacy that no that he created. Um, but yeah, it it there is some kind of management stuff that needs to be yeah. taught when people get really famous and yeah. enjoy their 15 and, minutes. And, yeah, I think there's interesting yeah, intersections there between, like, class and sudden fame. And you also see it with um, – there's a racial element too of when you're, you know, black and working class and you suddenly get a lot of fame and a lot of money and the, the way that it's handled is very different from someone who might be upper middle class and gets a lot of fame and money and mm-hmm. suddenly – jumps class groups but anyway i really want to watch a musical that has hugh jackman and taron edgerton in it now i think that would be an excellent i'm, idea. I'm adding them to my dream musical cast list i think that would be i don't know why they haven't started filming it already <laughs> taron edgerton is he's not just a good singer he's a really 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 good singer like you know you see actors all the time who can sing mm. but i heard him sing and i was like holy crap and i'm not that easily impressed by no, you are not singing because I am used to like Broadway stars. Mm. So, uh, have you seen any of them? If you want to send them to me, I'll put them in the show notes. It's also a really sexy singer. But anyway, anyway, I'll, I'll show you. 
I think, didn't we start this podcast off talking about how we wouldn't kick Taron Edgerton out of bed? <laughs> that was somewhere in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this, this is, even though he's this is one way of those younger things than where, like, like my uh, Simon Pegg thing from Mission Impossible where like the whole movie kind of rests on one person and I was yeah. like, it worked so well. Well, I mean, this actually works so well just because of him and Hugh Jackman. But yes, the, the, yes. But I think also part of it is that I wanted a reason to like Taron Edgerton because yeah. I find him very likable in real life and I've never seen him in anything that I liked him in because I've only seen him in Kingsman yeah. and I hated that movie. Yeah, well, I saw him in that Cray Twins movie. I want to see that. Is it any good? It's pretty depressing. But Does yeah. he kiss Tom Hardy in it? Uh, I don't know if they actually make out. They're definitely obviously sleeping together. I can't remember if they make out or not. Because that was like the whole reason I wanted to watch um, it. <laughs> anyway, I mean, he was very good in that as well. He was like the, clearly a, st- a standout next to Tom Hardy, who's no slouch. Cool. Um, yeah, so he's he's very good. Anyway, we should probably wrap up and give it a mark and stuff. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this movie four out of five stars. I really liked it. Yeah, I think I have to give it four out of five stars just because the way it made me feel. Yeah, it was great. It just made me so happy. I mean, it was very tropey, but, but none it, of it was bad tropey. No, and like, it worked. Yeah. Like, I, when he was climbing, getting up the lift to that 90-meter jump, my palms were sweaty. Mm. Like, I was really sitting there like, oh, my God, I just wanted him to make it. So, I nearly – his mother – there's a scene – he get, makes the jump, he lands the jump – and his and immediately cuts to his mother at home in front of the TV, and she's like, "What?" And I very nearly had done the same thing in my <laughs> cinema seat. I didn't because you know, yeah. I, again, I think this is a terrific family movie. Like, mm. if you um, have kids, this is uh, take them to this. It's, you know, there's, yeah, there's three movies out that are great take for it, kids. Take them, yeah, yeah. This, The Jungle Book, and Zootopia are all wonderful. Yeah, and much better than a lot of the fare we get for kids. That is that really kind of talks down to the audience and stuff. This is a good one too for the kids who are a bit too old for the animated stuff and a bit mm-hmm. too, a bit too exactly. old for The Jungle Book. Um, yeah, exactly. That kind of middle years. That, yeah, like that really awkward yeah, time were, when there's not a lot of movies made for them. Mm, this is great. Yeah, group. Anyway, I suppose we should wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Eddie the Eagle and all of the other movies she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.